Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us. Wherever you're listening from, we hope you're encouraged and inspired by today's message. Um, I don't know if you've ever gone fishing. Anybody here love to fish? Anyone love to fish? A few of you love to fish. Um, I grew up in a neighborhood where we had a lake behind our house. My dad always loved to take us out fishing. And in that lake, we had bass and we had like, you know, I, I don't know, minnows. I don't know what other kind of fish. I'm not a fisherman, as you can tell. But we used to go out fishing, and, and I never really cared about fishing. I, I don't want to get them off the hook. I don't want to touch them. They are nasty. They are slimy. I just don't want to touch the fish. If you will bait my hook and guarantee me I will catch something, maybe I will go with you. But I'm not up for, hey, let's go fishing. You're going to touch nasty octopus and squid. And we're going to sit on a boat or by a lake for eight hours. And you may not catch anything. No, thank you. Unless we're going to stop at the gas station and get some snacks on the way. Because I don't want to fish, but I'm willing to graze. You know what I'm saying? My dad would take us and we'd go like get some Doritos and we'd get some chips and especially when we go down south like down to the Keys, my dad we would go to this bait shop that had all these like funky like snacks and stuff that these fishermen eat and and then we would load up and then we would go and and we would fish but we would eat more than we would fish. That is a great day of fishing. But I learned at this bait shop that there are different types of bait for the different different types of fish that you want to catch. So if you want to catch yellowfin tuna i think that's a fish you have a different lure for that if you want mahi mahi or grouper there's a different bait for that there's different baits to catch different types of fish can i tell you that there is a bait that the enemy uses for every single one of us it's a bait that he throws into our life and many of us in this room we take the bait I've taken the bait. You've taken the bait. Some of you have the bait in your mouth right now and you're hooked by it. It's this bait that Satan uses to steal from you. You see, you have to understand that the enemy, Satan, cannot take your salvation. Anybody thankful for that? When God saves you, the devil can't steal it from you. Come on, anybody thankful for your salvation that the devil cannot touch? But the devil, the Bible describes comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if he can't steal your salvation, then what could he steal? He could steal your joy. He could steal your peace. He could take your strength. He can take your right-mindedness. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? He can take your confidence. If he can't take your salvation, he will try to take other things. I'm convinced the way that he causes us to lose things that God has given us is that we take the bait of Satan. And the bait that he uses to take our dreams, to take our futures, to take the promises of God from us, is this one word. Would you write this down in your notes? It's this word called offense. Offense. You see, what offense is, is when we get offended by somebody. Anybody ever been offended by someone? Come on, be honest. Don't lie. You've been offended? Anybody got offended this week by anything? Come on, let me see your hand. Anybody offended right now? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to know right now. I don't know right now. But, but we've all been offended at things. We can get offended at our boss, our spouse, our kids, our parents, our siblings. We get offended at, at, at people even at church, maybe your pastor. I know not me, but maybe your pastor. Like We all can get offended by things. And if we let offense live in our life, that word offense develops to this word called bitterness. Would you write that word down? You see, the bait of Satan is simply this. 
I get offended at God. I get offended at people of God. I get offended at faith. I prayed this prayer. God didn't answer it the way I wanted to. I'm going through this situation I don't understand. And if we aren't careful, we will allow bitterness into our heart. I've come here tonight to encourage you. Don't take the bait of Satan. Come on, don't take Look at your neighbor and say, don't take the bait. I love Job because Job says, I'm not going to take the bait. You see, Satan wants you to take the bait, but God has sent you an invitation. God wants you to know that you're invited. The devil wants you to get bitter, but God has invited you to get better. You see, there is a way that you can face anything in your life. And when you face the most difficult situations, you can tell yourself, I refuse to get bitter. I refuse to get angry. I refuse to get mad at God. I refuse to doubt my faith. I refuse to get cold in my walk with the Lord. I refuse to lose my fire. I'm not going to get bitter. But instead, I'm going to ask God, how can I get better through this storm? How can I get better through this trial? How can I get better through this attack? Anybody here today, you want to leave here and you want to know that you can say, my God is going to help me get better every single day of my life. You see, Job, he didn't take the bait of Satan. And instead of getting bitter, he got, he got better. Well, pastor, how, how do we do this? Let me give you four things tonight. Four quick things. Number one, write this down in your notes. How do we not get bitter? How do we get better? And, and maybe tonight you're not wrestling with something that you're just like an offense or someone made you upset or a hurt or, or a failure. Maybe you're not wrestling with that. Can I tell you, if not, you will be tested with this at some point in time in your life. Come on, go ahead and take some notes. You have your notes? Come on, wave them around. Wave, come on. This is not a Sunday to be like, oh, I'll just listen to the podcast if I ever need it. No, 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 no. Come on. We're going to dig in tonight. Are you ready? Yeah. Number one, write this down. The antidote to bitterness is to put all of your hope in God. The antidote, the medicine for bitterness, to keep you from getting bitter. Some of you here today, the antidote to keep you, some of you, you're bitter sitting here. And you need a medicine. You need relief. You need peace in your heart from bitterness. The antidote to bitterness is to put all of your hope in God. Notice I didn't say to put some of your hope. Notice I didn't say to put most of your hope. In order for you to get rid of bitterness, you have to put all of your hope in God. But here's the thing. Here's the reason why we have this series, There Is Hope. Because many people in our city are filled with bitterness. And the reason why is because many times we put our hope in other people. And people are people. And people fail us at times. And guess what? We fail people at times. And because people are people, but our hope was anchored in that person. Now when they fail you, you're bitter. How about this? Come on, can we just get real for a minute? I'm going to get in some of your living rooms right now for a minute. How about this? We get bitter at God sometimes because we prayed for an outcome and our hope was in an outcome. What do you do when you're being faithful to God and believing God for my, my pastor taught me and trained me to pray and prophesy for an outcome. And it, man, I, I was just disappointed because I was taught to believe it and speak it out. But the outcome hasn't happened. And when the outcome doesn't happen because your faith is in an outcome, we get bitter. 
the, the reason why we get bitter so easily places or outcomes things or people or places or outcomes and all of those things have the propensity to fail us put your hope in your job it can fail you put your hope in your university studies it can fail you put your hope in your boss he or she can fail you y'all even trying to be real with me tonight Put your hope in your spouse, they can fail you. Put your hope in your children, they can fail you. Put your hope in your siblings, they can fail. Put your hope in your business partner, they can fail you. But I've come here to tell you that you can anchor your hope in Jesus. Because when you put all of your hope in Jesus, my hope is not in a relationship. My hope is not in a person. My hope is not in an outcome. But my hope is in Jesus. And it's in Jesus alone. Oh, only Jesus is the one that I'm going to put my hope in. I love this. We see this in Job because in Job chapter 13, look what Job says. We're going to put it on the screen. He says this, though he slay me, I will still hope in God. Man, I love that. Job is saying, I've already lost everything, God. If you want to take my life, go ahead, because you can't stop me from praising you. Man, I wish that we would be a church so mature that, man, we didn't lose our faith when we had a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, a bad year, but we were people of faith that we said, man, 2019 has been hell and high water, but you better believe I'm not going to lose my faith in my God. God, you can take it all away, but you can even take my own life, but you can't stop me from praising you. Yeah, yeah, see, this is, this is where we get in the deep water. Because I'm afraid if we're not careful, we condition the church to just to be addicted to the blessings. And sometimes God just wants to know, am I enough? Yes, God wants to bless you. Yes, God wants to prosper you. Yes, God wants to favor you. Yes, God wants you to get a great parking spot at Dolphin Mall. I believe it in Jesus' name. I believe it. I believe it. But, but what if, what if this thing called the Bible and Christianity and Jesus Christ, what if all of this, the blessings are just supposed to be the icing on top? What if it's all really about us knowing and appreciating and loving and being committed to the character of God and the person of God? Can I tell you tonight, if you have nothing but Jesus, you have everything. If Jesus does nothing else in your life other than what he's already done, can I tell you, you're already blessed and highly favored. You're already the head and not the tail. Can I tell you today, don't you lose your hope in God. He's so faithful. You see, the antidote to bitterness is to put all of your hope in God. That's why Romans chapter 5 says this. There is a hope. Someone say hope. hope. Come on, shout it. There is a hope. Where you will never be disappointed. Come on, isn't that good tonight? Come on, isn't that good to know that, man, my hope doesn't come from a political party. 
My hope doesn't come from Wall Street. My hope doesn't come from my investments. My hope comes from God, and I will never be disappointed. Because can I tell you, even while we're sitting here right now, God is preparing a place for you in a place called heaven. And in this place called heaven, it is an eternal hope. Can I tell you, no matter what you go through on this earth, he's just preparing you for an eternity in heaven. Can I tell you, if nothing goes your way the rest of your life, you have everything to look forward to. It is an eternity with God in a place because not only is the answer. Come on, are you ready? Write number two down. Write number two. Because not only is the antidote to put all of your hope in God, but number two is this. You need to stick to what you know regardless of other people's opinions. When it comes to hope, you need to stick to what you know regardless of other people's opinions. I, I love Job and the story of Job. Job has these three friends that come to him. Job's lost everything and his free, three friends come and they're, they're, they're talking to him and they're encouraging him at first. But then all of a sudden they turn negative. They're like, hey, Job, yo, man, like, why are you losing all your animals, man? Like, why did all your kids die? Like, I understand like two of them, five of them, six of them, eight of them, all 10. Job, maybe you've done something wrong. Can I tell you something? I believe that every person in this room, you can get through anything in your life if you have the right people around you. The relationships that are in your life are making or breaking you. That is why dinner parties are so important. That was okay. That is why dinner parties are so important. Like that's why you need to sign up to be at a dinner party this week. You know what it is? We're just trying to get you in relationship with other people because chances are the relationships that you are in right now are going to set you up to succeed or they're going to sabotage you to fail and all we want to do at dinner parties is get you around people that are not like job's friends job's friends eventually came to him these are his top three friends and they say to job job just curse god and die bro this is bad what's happening to you curse god and die can you imagine you're going through a tough thing and your three closest friends are like, oh man, dude, curse God, jump off the bridge, man. There's a big one in St. Petersburg. Just do it. Just, man, it's bad. There's no hope. No, 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 no. I don't want to be around people like that. I want to be around people that when I'm going through something in my life, I've got three people around me that'll say, you better believe you're not going to give up. Come on, we're going to pray with you. We're going to believe God with you. Things are going to change in your favor. Look how good God has been in your past. He's, come on, are you with me tonight? He's going to be with you again. Come on, you need some people around you that are going to help, help elevate your faith when your faith is, is growing weak. You need people around you that are going to lift up your hands and lift up your arms and say, you're not going to quit. You're not going to stop. We're going to finish this thing the right way. Can I tell you, relationships, the right relationships have to be dug out. They're not just going to happen automatically. You're going to have to hunt for them. So that means you may go to a dinner party and you don't connect with anyone. Don't stop trying to find a dinner party. Go to another one. Go to another one. Go to another one. We've got a bazillion going on every single week all over Miami. You can try a different one out probably almost every single night of the week. Just keep going to one until you find your crew that you can encourage and they can encourage you. But I love this because Job, his friends are like, man, just curse God and die. His own wife 
tells Job, hey, Job, I know you're not fixing to go to church today. Job's like, what are you talking about? She's like, no, 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 God's already taken everything from us. Are you telling me for real you're going to go to church? You ever, you ever knew you should go to church, but you didn't want to go to church? My hands up. Don't be afraid. Y'all trying to lie at the six o'clock. I thought we were beyond this right now. I mean, it, anybody like, you just, it was a struggle to go to church. Let me see your hand. And like, you didn't want to go, but you went. And some of you are like, tonight was that night. And you got here and it was the exact message you needed to hear for your life. Can I tell you that is the day night at six o'clock, the victory from your life. That is why we need to discipline our minds every Sunday night at six o'clock. I'm going to be in the house when I feel like it, when I don't feel like it, I'm going to be there. Job shows us he's on his way to church and his own wife is like, you're not going to church. God has taken everything from us. And I love Job's response. Job is like, Hey woman, I love you. You're awesome. You're the best. But I'm going to church even if you don't feel like it. Job, are you serious? You're going to worship God? You're going to lift your hands? Don't you see what we're going through? Yeah, 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 I see what we're going through. But you need to know something, woman, that I'm going to lift up my hands and worship God no matter what is given or what is taken away from me. Nothing can stop my praise. This is so good because... If you're married tonight, let me help you out with something. That If you're married, you cannot control your spouse. Amen. I need a group of men just to go lay hands on my brother right now. He's going to need prayer tonight in Jesus' name. I'm just kidding. Thank you for your honesty, sir. I love that. Appreciate that. That was like a moment where the Holy Ghost just takes over. You're like, whoa, what did I just do? You can't control your spouse. Come on, let me talk to the married people. Your spouse, when you're going through things, they may not feel like getting their praise on. You can't control them with that. But you can lead yourself. I love Job because Job says, I'm not going to church because I feel like it. I'm not going to church because I've got victory in my heart. I'm not going to church because I don't feel discouraged. My question for you tonight is this. Can you still press into the presence of God when you feel defeated? Can you still press in when you feel depressed? Can you still press in and lift your hands in the worship song when you don't feel like worshiping God? I'm here to tell you, you're one song, you're one hand lift away from a breakthrough when you don't feel like it, but you lift up your hands anyway and you say, I'm going to trust what I know over what I feel. I'm going to believe what I know over the opinions of others people you see our faith grows and develops when everyone around you thinks you're crazy for worshiping God but you know that God is a good God because I look at my gonna be here for but I look how God has brought me through in the past and if he was there for me then he's gonna be here for me now and there's gonna be a better future someone needs to give God some praise tonight for a God that is taking you through yeah. Well, how do I do that, Pastor? Number three, write this down. You have to allow the change to happen in you. Watch this. Watch, watch what Job says. 
In Job chapter 14, verse 14, he says this. All of the days of my hard service, in other words, all of the days of my suffering, of losing, of losing my children, of losing my home, of losing my self-confidence, of losing my identity, all of my days of my faith being tested and tried, all of my days not knowing why God would allow the enemy to do this to me, I will wait. My question for somebody in this room tonight is this. Until you get your breakthrough, are you willing to wait on God? Or are you going to run back to the world from what God saved you from? You see, many times what we do while we're waiting for the miracle, we go back to the mess that God has already set us free of. God, I didn't see you come through. So why am I going to serve you anyway? Why? Because Job says this. All the days of my suffering, I'm going to wait on God until when? Until my change comes. Wow, what a statement of faith. Come on, what a statement of faith. Man, we give a lot of props to people like Moses and David and Joshua and Gideon. I don't know about you, but Job is as OG as they get homie lost everything and he's like what else you got devil no he didn't fight an army no he didn't lead the Israelites out of slavery no he didn't defeat a Goliath but let me tell you what Job did he looked heartbreak in the face he looked Satan in the face and he said I know you're the one who has come against me but I come with authority oh I feel it right there Oh man, I feel it right there. I feel it right there breaking for something. Oh my God. Somebody needs to get that authority in your heart. Somebody needs to look the devil in the face and say, what else do you got? You're not going to steal my power. Someone lift your hands right now and just praise him right now. Come on, praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, we have to let God do something in us. God can't get something through you until he can get something done in you. And sometimes people quit. Sometimes we quit because of how we are. There are people in this room, you have failed God. There are people in this room, you're fighting shame. You're fighting guilt. You feel like you're not worthy. All you've done is described how you are. But can I tell you, God's not impressed with what you're doing. He's concerned with who you're becoming. You see, it's not how you are. It's who you are. Sometimes we get so discouraged because we're like, God, how am I going to fulfill the call? How am I going to obey the call of my life? God, how am I going to get to the next level? God, how am I going to provide? God, how am I going to be the man? How am I going to be the woman of God that you want me to be? And we get so consumed with how we are. I'm discouraged. I'm destroyed. I'm a failure. I've messed up. Anybody ever been there before? Come on. I'm preaching to myself. But let me tell you who you are. You are someone that the blessing is on you. The favor is on you. 
The calling is on you. The grace is on you. The gift is on you. Who are you? You are anointed. You're called. You're the righteousness of God. You're the head and not the tail. You are blessed coming in and you are blessed leaving. Come on. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. We have to realize that God's wanting to do something in us. So tonight I want to encourage you. Stop feeling sorry for what you went through or what you're going through. Because we get stuck there. I get stuck there. We get stuck there. Stop feeling sorry for what you went through or what you're going through. And understand this. God, you're helping me become a better person than I was before this even happened. You see, here's what Job said. I don't know why I'm going through this, but God, how can I become more like you? Make me a better person through this trial. Come on, you want things to shift in your life? I know you do. Instead of asking God why, begin to ask God, how can I become more like you through this? How can I become better through this? How can I become better instead of getting bitter through this? Come on, I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight. God, how can I get better? You know, 2019, it's been a pretty rough year for me. But can I tell you, I've learned to stop asking God why. But I've asked God, God, make me a better person. Can I tell you, in 2019, I've become kinder. I've become more compassionate. I've appreciated you more than I've ever appreciated the church. I've trusted God more than I've ever trusted God. I can relate to people that I could never relate to before. I have more empathy, more compassion. But you know what? Me like you could take a year like this and become so bitter at God. But instead, I said, God, I don't want to lose my children. I don't want to lose the next generation of world changers that's going to come from the stalker name. I don't want to lose the calling of God that's on my life. I know that the best is in front of me. So God, how can I get better in this situation? Is there anybody here tonight that you want to get better tonight? Come on, you want your trial to cause you to get better. You want this obstacle to push you to better. If that's you, then number four, write this down. And I'm going to close. How do we do this, Pastor? How do we do this? Here we go. You've got to focus on the end and not the beginning. Oh, man, it's so good. So many people want to focus on the betrayal. They want to focus on the night they got the doctor's report. They want to focus on the day that they got abused. If we're not careful, we will focus on the day that your dad walked out on you. You'll focus on the day that you discovered that you were going to lose your job. You'll focus on the day that you had to declare bankruptcy. You'll focus on the day that things went wrong. You'll focus on the day that you made that bad decision with that relationship. You'll focus on the day that things went awful and now you're suffering the consequences. But can I tell you, we learned something from Job. He didn't focus on the beginning. He understood that God is faithful, so it's not going to end the same way it started. Come on, somebody. You see, what he says, 
He understood that no eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that God has in store for me. That's why Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8 says this, the end of a thing is better than its beginning. Woo, come on. I've come to encourage someone. I'm leaving it all on the stage. I won't have my voice back until Wednesday, but I've got to end this thing right for you. I've come here to tell you that the end is going to be better than the beginning. I've come to encourage someone that you're walking through hell on earth. You're living with fear and anxiety. I just have come to tell you that the God we serve is a God that he is so faithful. Watch this, watch this. Come on, stand your feet all across this room. So many people lose sight of the big picture. They lose sight of where we're going. But look at the end of Job's life. Imagine this. Imagine if Job had believed his friends and he got bitter. Imagine if Job had listened to his wife and he got bitter towards God. Imagine if Job, just in his own mind, had said, God, I trusted you and I served you. Why would you do this? And got bitter. But I love Job because Job understood that this thing is going to end better than how it began. And tonight at the 6 o'clock service, I want to declare and prophesy and speak and release over your life tonight that, baby, you need to understand the future for you is better than your past. You're getting ready to walk into a new season. Come on, anybody ready to walk into a new season? I believe it. Come on, lift your hands. If you say, Pastor, I'm ready to walk into a new season. I'm ready to walk into a season of favor. I'm ready to walk into a season of God making great things happen in my life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I declare the end is going to be better than your future, than your past. Let me tell you, this is ultimately the story of Jesus Christ. Watch this. Jesus is born on Christmas, and then we don't hear from him until he's 12 years old. And then at 12 years old, he disappears again until he's 30. At 30 years of age, Jesus recruits a a group of misfits and starts a revolution that changes the world that we're still enjoying here today in Miami. Isn't that crazy? I mean, isn't that just nuts? I mean, if you ever wonder, is this real? Is this Bible real? Think about it. Jesus picked some gangsters, people who weren't worthy, nobodies from nowhere, and they started a revolution. And here we are in Miami, Florida, thousands of years later. But from the age of 30 to 33, Jesus and his misfits, they do miracles like crazy. And then we find at 33 years of age, Jesus is on the cross. They put nails in his hands and his feet and they drive a spear into his side. They pluck out his beard, put a crown of thorns on his head. They beat him beyond recognition. And Jesus is on the cross. And while he is on the cross, people are gambling for his clothes and they're mocking him. They're saying, we thought you were the king of the Jews. You said you could save us, but you can't even save yourself. What a liar. What a fraud. What a fake. What a phony. In fact, one of the prisoners, one of the thieves is on Jesus' left-hand side is looking at Jesus and he begins to mock Jesus. 
He's like, yeah, I agree with the prison guards down there. Can you believe that guy? What an idiot. Like, he's on the same side of the people who just put him on a cross. Like, if that was Jesus, I'd be like, bro, you're stupid, dude. And he looks at Jesus, he's like, I believe them. You're just a human just like me. God, because if you were, you would save all of us. You're just a human just like me. You're just a thief just like me. I believe scripture says that Jesus was tempted in all things like we are. I believe in that moment, Jesus was tempted to be bitter toward his father. Because scripture declares that he looks up to heaven and he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? When all of a sudden, the thief on the right looks at Jesus and says, all of you guys are crazy. This man is the son of God. This man is the Christ. And he looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus, we're about to die on these crosses. But when we die, I know that there's an eternity. Will you remember me today in paradise? Will you remember me in heaven? And I love the response of Jesus. Come on, this is why I've come here tonight. This is why you're here tonight, is to be reminded. Because Jesus looked at that prisoner on that cross, and he said, today, surely, you will be with me in paradise. Why would Jesus make that statement? Because he wasn't looking at the beginning. He was realizing that the end was going to be better than the beginning. Come on, do you hear me tonight? I'm here to tell you the end is going to be better than the beginning. The end is going to be better than the beginning. The end is going to be better than the beginning. If you receive that, come on, I want you to lift your hands. Lift your hands all across this room. In a manner to receive, I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. There's some of you in this room. The enemy has stolen years. He has stolen families. He has stolen your joy, your peace. And tonight we are going to release a blessing of Job over your life. Two parts of this. Number one is this. We're going to leave here tonight praising God no matter what happens in our life. Come on, no more fickle Christianity. No more roller coaster Christianity. God, I'm all in. My heart's all yours. No matter if it's up or it's down, I'm going to praise you. But tonight, in Jesus' name, come on, lift your hands. Tonight, God, I declare over my friends in this room, I declare that you will restore everything that the enemy has taken away and you will add back to it twofold, threefold, tenfold, one hundredfold. I declare tonight, God, that we will be blessed leaving this room in Jesus' mighty name. I pray for health. I pray for open doors. I pray for business favor. I pray, God, for promotion. I pray for peace and joy in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Come on, somebody give God some praise in this place tonight. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Brave Church. For more information or to get in touch with us, visit us at bravemiami.com.